things like that. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Things Like That podcast. My name is Allie, your host, and I wanted to do a small introduction before we get into today's episode. Today we have Hannah Ward, who is a Christian who's an advocate for women to have a pain-free, confident sex life. On her podcast, Say What, she talks about how to overcome painful sex, toxic purity culture, marriage and relationships, sex education, and any and all things female. I found Hannah on Instagram when I realized I was still dealing with some aftermath of growing up in purity culture. That kind of came up when I got married. And it was really cool to see someone who's still a Christian talk about the toxic nature of purity culture, and also openly share about her pelvic health and vaginismus journey uh, with painful sex and give sex education to Christians and non-Christians. So whatever side of the spectrum you're on today, whether that's Christian, non-Christian, maybe you just feel sex um, is shameful a little bit or you struggle with painful sex, this is definitely an episode you're going to want to listen to. I'm so excited for you to um, hear from Hannah today. If you love today's episode and want to connect with her more, you can find her podcast, which is Say What, and follow her Instagram on at say.whatpodcast over on Instagram. Please, please, please go follow her page, check out her podcast, and feel free to DM her and let her know what you thought of today's podcast episode. She's full of tons of information, and I'm so excited for you to meet her today. Let's get into it. Right. So hello, Hannah. Welcome to the Things Like That podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm really excited about today's episode talking about purity culture and your journey with that. Um, I think it'll be healing to a lot of people of different groups, like people like me, who is no longer a Christian, but grew up in purity culture and like hearing a Christian talking about it. It's almost like you being the person I needed when I was younger, you know, and then also for Christian listeners, um, maybe allow them to be more comfortable and like digesting the information. Cause I know it can be scary to like hear it from a non-Christian cause you're like, Oh, am I doing something wrong? So I think you have a really good mix of giving the education and still like affirming, you know, your own faith and um, the Christian faith. So yeah. Thank you want to go so ahead. Much. Yeah, of course. Want to go ahead and give a, a little introduction. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, fine. Yeah. No, I, it's such an honor to be on the podcast. I really appreciate you like asking um, me to be a guest and um, I love talking about this stuff. And so when I saw your email come through, I was just so excited. Um, but my name is Hannah. I live in Denver, Colorado, and I also have a podcast where I talk about um, lots of things around like sex, purity culture, women's, just anything being female. And um, so, yeah, I had a really rough experience growing up in purity culture that led, which we'll talk about in detail, yeah. led to um, some public health issues that I have. And so I going through the public health stuff, I realized I felt really alone during all of it. And so I just started talking about it on Instagram, started talking about it in my podcast. And now it's like 
my favorite thing in the world. So I, um, I always find it funny. It's like, I didn't go to school for this or anything like that. Like I don't have any, you know, edu- or I guess I have a psychology degree. So I do. Oh, that's, I do- oh yeah. That's okay. awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I do have a psychology degree, but like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm not a pelvic floor therapist, but I do have experience with all of this and have learned so much. And so I just like to talk about it, educate people and um, bring a lot less shame to these conversations because there yes. well, no shame really, but yeah. there's so much shame in these conversations. And so I try to have them without any shame, without any judgment. Yeah, so, definitely. And I'm married and have a dog and I am currently pregnant. Yes. So. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you. Yeah. I think I found your page. Cause I was like, I had, I left Christianity several years ago, but I went through a phase, like when I got married, realizing like how purity culture had affected me. So I started looking at Instagram accounts and I found yours. And I was like, that's such a cool perspective. Like to have a Christian who's like going through this and um, like finding answers for herself. Um, So what was kind of like the catalyst for you realizing like, oh, purity culture kind of harmed me a little bit. Was that like when you got married or when did that all start? Yeah. So I, when I, I would probably say it was like the last year or like the year leading up to me being married and getting married um, is when I really started thinking about purity culture and what purity culture is. It's just like the conversations around sex and women's bodies and modesty um, and just the idea of purity that the church likes to talk about. And I do feel like in a way it was try. it started out in like a, you know, we're just trying to help people, you know, Mm. follow what the Bible says, but it got, it turned really bad, really fast. And so (laughs) I think the purity culture can be extremely toxic. Um, And I still am a Christian, but I just think the way that we talk about it can be really talk about purity is, is really toxic, really shame heavy. Um, But like, leading up to me getting married when I got engaged and um I started thinking about like what I want what I, what marriage was going to be like and mm-hmm. you know then I started thinking about just because you know I was thinking I was thinking about like when I have kids like what am I going to teach them and yeah. just kind of started recognizing like oh I guess some of the stuff that I thought and believed like really led to a lot of shame in my life and then when I got married and we started having sex I had extremely painful sex and I had extremely painful sex for about a year And I didn't like, I didn't know that wasn't normal. I thought that was normal. And so when I realized it wasn't and started going through my healing journey, I realized like, I need to figure out where this is coming from. Like why I have vaginismus, like why this um, has affected me. And there is a like huge biological piece to it. There's also a psychological piece to it. And so I needed to figure out where the psychological piece was. And once I realized like all the teachings of, sex is bad. You're going to go to hell if you have sex. Like sex is the worst. I mean, it's really taught as like the worst Mm -hmm. sin you could ever commit in the world. Sometimes I swear, like not, this is a real exaggeration, but I'm like, we never talk about murder being bad. They just talk about sex being bad. And it's such an extreme example, but it really did feel that way. Like, like it was just always that sex was bad. That's all I could hear in my head. And so once I recognized that's where this stuff was coming from, I was like, oh, okay, purity culture, really bad. I need to figure this out. So the catalyst for it really was like getting married, you know, thinking about marriage and getting married, thinking about kind of my beliefs around it and then like sex hurting and it being, and just sex not being what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely not not what the church promised it was going to be for me. So that's kind of what started like all of this. 
Yeah, it's definitely hard to go from like hearing like don't have sex, like don't go too far. And then like one day it's just like you can have all the sex you want. And it's like, well, how do I go from the two extremes? Right. So right. Definitely. Yeah. My brain, my brain could not jump from sex is bad to now sex is okay and accepted. Like it just could not get to that point. Definitely. So. Um, and with the is it vaginismus? Is that how you pronounce that? Yes, vaginismus. Okay. It's hard to pronounce. Yeah. Totally fine. Yeah. It took me a while because uh, I was be like, what is that? Vaginismus. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard a little bit about it, um, but mostly saw it on your page. Um, Mm -hmm. How did you kind of take the step to like go ask about it? Or when did you realize you got to a point where I was like, this can't be normal? Yeah. So sex was hurting like every single time. Um, like we got married and everyone told me like, oh, your first time will hurt, you know, maybe maybe the first couple of times, but like after that, it won't anymore because you'll just like figure it out and so I was like right. okay cool well, I'll figure it out so sex hurt the first time the second time the third time the fourth time the fifth time right. <laughs> like kept 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 hurting but I didn't say anything I didn't communicate that I mean at the big like at the beginning my husband could tell it was like kind of painful but I was just like pushing through because I yeah. thought it be like and then you know three months in four months in nothing had changed and I just was like okay, I'm just supposed to do this because the purity culture in my head said like, you have to please your husband or he's going to cheat on you. He's going to watch porn. He's going to do all this stuff. And so I, you know, just kept going. And regardless of who my husband was, I got to do all these things or he's going to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. And so I just like, and I also thought like, this is just what it is. Like, this is how it feels. Like, Mm -hmm. I just guess I'm, I just thought it would be different. It's not. And so I didn't really realize it was a problem until about a year into our marriage. Wow. And I finally was like, one day, it just kind of like hit me like out of the blue one day. I was like, you know what? Like this probably isn't what it's supposed to feel like. Yeah. Having sex, I shouldn't be wishing it was over. Yeah. That is not, that is, that probably is not right. And so I had heard of vaginismus and I'll give a definition of that in a second, but I'd heard of it because I, I did study psychology in school. And so there was a couple sections where we talk about abuse. And anytime we talked about abuse, it was like vaginismus. You know, some people who have been sexually abused will get vaginismus because their body remembers the trauma of the abuse. And so anytime anything inserts, it's going to hurt. Right. And I remember sitting down on the couch with my friend telling her about this. And I was like, you know, sex has been hurting really bad. I just kind of thought that's what it was like. And is it like this for you? And she was like, no. And so I was like, okay, I guess this isn't what it's like. I was like, sure. I, was like, I really don't think I have vaginismus. Like I haven't been sexually abused. Like yeah. nothing like that has ever happened to me. Like I remember telling her that before my appointment. And so I, I made an appointment with my gynecologist and I really had not done any like Googling or researching or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, I'm just going to go to the doctor and let them like, let's talk about it together because the internet can take a turn, you know, some, you never know. Yeah, definitely you, <laughs> go down the rabbit hole. Like having cancer, we're going to die tomorrow, you yes. know? So I, just, like, didn't want, <laughs> I didn't want to get into that. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to let, like, let the doctors tell me. So I go to the doctors and it took five doctors to diagnose me wow. with vaginismus. I, and it was like over the, like it was, it was, it was fast. Like it took like a week, but it still was like all these different doctors because Nobody could actually figure out that it was vaginismus, even though I am textbook. If you open it up and you read primary and secondary, I am secondary. Like it is clear as day. Right. But Because it's not talked about and people aren't educated on it. They didn't Mm -hmm. know. And so, um, but what vaginismus 
is, is any kind of pain with insertion. So your right. pelvic floor muscles were t- will tense up or even like spasm. And so that makes anytime you're inserting anything, it is super painful. So if you have pain with tampons, menstrual cups, fingers, penis, like anything that you're inserting inside of you, if it is painful at insertion, that is vaginismus. Wow. So, and there are, I, I should specify, there are other pelvic floor disorders mm-hmm. that could cause that as well. But that is like the definition of vaginismus is when you insert something, it's painful because your pelvic floor muscles tense up really bad and they're really tight. And so there's two types, like primary and secondary. Okay. Primary primary is where you can't insert anything at all. Like not like you try to insert a tampon right. or anything, like it literally will not go in. People often describe it as like you're hitting a wall. So like you insert something and there's like hitting a wall and you can't go any further. Oh, wow. Secondary is when you can insert something, um, but it hurts extremely bad. So you can insert things because I've used tampons. I've used like had fingers, like all that before I got Mm -hmm. married. Um, And it was fine. And so once I got married is when it actually started hurting. And that's part of secondary as well. I was like, you could insert before, but now you can't. Right. So I could have sex still, but it was just extremely painful. So I just felt like it was good for me to give that definition. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Cause I don't know. Yeah. 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 So that's what, um, you know, that's kind of how long it took me to like get to that diagnosis was about a year. Like, I didn't really find any resources, honestly, because like I said, I wanted to just go to the doctor, um, because the internet can be scary. But once I was, once I was diagnosed, I remember, sobbing in the hospital or in the, um, in the doctor's office. I was by myself because it was COVID. It was like April. Oh, of wow. Was, oh, okay. Wow. COVID. So wow. I was by myself. Um, and I just remember feeling so scared, but I also remember feeling relief that I had an answer, but I also was so scared because I didn't know a single person with this. And so I was like, and I, I don't even know it besides the context of, you know, abuse victims and survivors experiencing this. I don't know this in like in any other context. And so then after, then I started looking for resources and I couldn't really find any, honestly, I remember searching like, you know, vaginismus and like the podcast search thing, trying to right. find podcasts. I found like one podcast, but I didn't really find anything else really. Um, I looked for like, you know, groups on Facebook and I looked on Instagram and at the time I just really didn't find anything at all. And so I was like, cool, nothing great (laughs) for this. And I will say I did join a Facebook group and it honestly was like less helpful than more helpful because it was really negative. Like people were talking, which it's, it's hard. There's a balance. Like you want to share your story and be honest, but it was always like, I never heard stories of healing. I only heard right. stories of like, I've had this for 15 years. It's never going to get better. And people being like, yeah, it's never going to get better. And I was yeah. like, well, this is what I need to hear. Right. <laughs> so looking at my own resources, I, you know, didn't really find that many because they just weren't there and they weren't very great. But what actually did like the resources that I was given from my doctor was a referral to public, public floor physical therapy. So yeah started public floor physical therapy. And then, um, I also used dilators and those were the big, big resources to my healing. Um, but besides those two things, the rest of the internet and talking to people was just not very helpful. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I, I really appreciate when people are like bold and sharing their stories that can be like very vulnerable. So thank you for that. Um, 
And I can definitely relate because um, I have endometriosis, so I don't experience the pain on insertion, but I do have pain during sex and definitely it taking long to be diagnosed. Like, I think that's a lot of women's health issues, which just sucks. Um, I'm glad that you're able to find some healing in that. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about the dilators? Because I know maybe that could be like um, perceived as a sex toy for some people. So how did you kind of navigate like any shame around that or like just learning education? For sure. So I first was introduced to dilators when I was doing public floor physical therapy. And um, my therapist told me, she was like, hey, there's this thing called a a dilator. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it'd be really helpful for you to do when you're at home on the days that you're not doing therapy. And I was just like, okay. She was like, there's a store, this local store here in Denver you can go to, you can get them. Um, I recommend this kind and I'll, and just go get them. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so that's kind of all she had told me. And yeah. I was like, like, wrote down a sticky note. And I got home and I was like, what the crap is it? Like, what's it, what's a dilator? Yeah. Like, what in the, what is that? <laughs> you and, want me to do what? <laughs> and I was like, you want me to say this inside of me? But yeah. it's, and is, is it a sex toy? Is it not a sex yeah. toy? I was very confused. Um, but there is definitely in the Christian world, a lot of shame around sex toys. And I yeah. will say that is one area that I didn't really carry a ton of shame around because I was, I was very much just like, if me and my husband are enjoying sex together, I mm-hmm. see sex something that can elevate your experience, not replace the experience. Definitely. I don't feel like it replaces sex with my husband it, or anything that he could do to me. Like it mm-hmm. elevates it, adds to it. And it's also, it just is known that it is harder for women to orgasm. And so right. if you can have something to like help them, then like, that's great. And so, yeah, definitely. Um, but I definitely did feel some shame around the dilators because uh, which well, I guess I should define with dilator. So a dilator mm-hmm. is not a sex toy. And even though I feel zero shame or there is zero shame around sex toys, it is important to um, specify that it is not a sex toy because some, because everybody has different boundaries, like within yeah. their relationship with their bodies and they may have a boundary or they don't want to use sex toys. And that is totally okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I am not saying everyone mm-hmm. has to use them or should use them. Um, and so I think that's why it's important to specify that like a dilator is not a sex toy um, because it is a medical device. Like it is a medical tool and it is interesting because it is shaped kind of like a dildo. So right. Use it because it is, it is shaped similar to a sex toy, but the goal of using a dilator is to desensitize your nerves, um, to something being inserted or something being inside of you. And so it's really hard. And you would think like, well, isn't that just what like sex is? Well, you can't really control a a penis to like get to certain points inside of you. Right, you, know, yeah. you, can't, really, you can't really do that. Mm-hmm. And with a dilator, you can, you can control the speed at which you're inserting. You can work on different like muscles on the outer rim of your vaginal opening. And once you okay. insert inside of you, you can get to different points and different like trigger points inside of your vagina that will hurt because everybody has different um, like parts inside their vagina that would hurt with this. And so like you can use a dilator to pinpoint those certain spots and do kind of like therapy on them. Right. And so they don't, well, some of them, I think there are some that vibrate, but like they don't, their goal oh, is wow. not to like add pleasure. So mm-hmm. it's not meant to be necessarily like a pleasurable experience when you're dilating. I will yeah. say- are getting experience or getting pleasure from dilating. I think that is a sign of healing because your body is finally able to relax and your muscles are relaxing and you're actually able to like enjoy something inserting inside Mm -hmm. of you. I do think that's a sign of healing, but that is not the full, like you're not using them to replace like anything else because it is a medical tool. So 
that's what a, that's what a dilator is. But there has been like, I definitely felt weird about going to a store to get them. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't just like order any online, but I was like, okay, we're going to go to this store. Right. Like, just geez. jumped in. <laughs> Yeah. And this store in Denver is fantastic. I'll give them a shout out. It's called Awakening Boutique, but it feels like you are walking into like a Francesca's at the mall or something like it okay. literally oh, wow. so, like casual. Like it's not nice. a lot of sex stores are really demeaning towards women and mm. <laughs> like not very woman positive. And this store is like the complete opposite. Um, but she recommended silicone dilators and getting like a set that has different sizes in them. So you can work with different sizes and I was just like, okay, here we go. Um, and so I got some. And I remember feeling very conflicted on like, do I do this by myself? Do I do this with my husband? Like there is so much shame around like, you know, there's, you know, the masturbation conversation in mm-hmm. the Christian world. I was like, is this masturbation? Is this just, is this like therapy? Like, you know, what, what level or where does this land? And I remember just feeling so like confused and ashamed of like, if people knew I was doing this, like they'd be thinking yeah. that. Doing something I'm not quote, let me put that in quotes, not supposed to be doing. Um, but then it really took some time for me to recognize that, like, so let's say you're, you know, a kid on the playground and you like are on the monkey bars and you fall off and you break your arm. So once you break your arm, you're gonna go to a doctor and you're probably Mm -hmm. gonna need to maybe do some like physical therapy to get your arm back to what it used to be, you know, like because definitely your arm broke and that's what you do. You're gonna go to physical therapy. And dilators are no different than that. And so that mm. it took me really recognizing that of like, oh, okay. So when my when my vagina is not working properly, when it is hurting, when something inserts, like dilators are the way to heal that. And so once I took the like emotional part out of it and could see it as black and white as that, I was like, right. oh, okay, like these, this isn't a bad thing I'm doing. This is just the way that you heal. And the shame is coming from, the way that like Christians and society can talk about sex as it being like a bad thing and knowing your body is bad and, you know, sex is just the way that they talk about it in such a shameful way. That's where I'm getting all these emotions sure. from um, when it's just literally the kind of therapy that you need. Yeah. <laughs> like, and not unfortunate, but it's like, there's no other way to heal your pelvic floor besides therapy or dilators. Like, right. Yeah. Like that's just that or that is the tools. And so seeing it labeled as like a medical tool was really helpful in like removing the shame aspect of it. And I will say it took some time for me to figure out like, was this something me and Thomas, my husband, were going to do together? Like, was it something right. I was just going to do by myself? And it took some like, like trial and error, like what I felt comfortable with, because it is helpful for you to be like turned on if you're going to dilate. So that That's way true. you have natural lubricant. And so, and, and in our marriage, like we, we have boundaries around that. And like this sex is something that we do together. We don't do it solo. And so, and that's just a boundary we have and everybody has boundaries and that's okay. Um, and so I felt a little bit like, okay, where is that crossing the line? Is it not, you know, right. just, it's, hard, it's really hard to navigate those thoughts. Um, but it really helped me like wrap my mind around and remove the shame when I thought of it in the way of like, this is a medical tool. Yes. Anything else. And again, not that sex toys are bad. We literally use sex toys. If you go yes. on my Instagram, you'll see how I talk about my favorite vibrator. Yes. Like, the $15 <laughs> bullet. Yes, the $15 vibrator. Yeah. That so many people's lives. Like, yes. I get messages all the time about it. So like, I am not, not shaming those. Um, but I do think it is so important just to, to recognize the difference in the two. Um, for people who do have different boundaries around sex toys yeah. to know that like, 
dilators are not off the table. Dilators are not sinful. They're not replacing anything. They are just your healing tool. Definitely. And I'm sure kind of going through that mental journey also in a way helped the your pelvic floor because you were removing some of that shame. So seeing it, I think that's why it's so important that like people like you are having these conversations um, because it gives people permission to like make that distinction of like this area of my body, like my vagina is also like, like my arm being broken. So instead of seeing it as just like in the bubble of purity culture, it's like, okay, I need like medical attention. And now that I've removed the shame, I can get that to enjoy like sex and things like that. So I think what you're doing will help so many people. Um, Do you get a lot of people that come to you that end up having the same thing you do? Like they're like, I'm having pain during sex and through you, they're able to find out about it. Oh yeah. I, that's been, that's probably the coolest thing about like, you know, having an Instagram community and having a podcast is I get, so I I get messages pretty often from people of like, I had no idea this was a thing until you, you know, until I found your page and now I'm talking to my doctors and now I'm getting healing. And so, and, and it really helped because I just remember, you know, Hannah in April of 2020 sitting in that doctor's office feeling like I was the only person in the whole world, only Christian in the whole world who like, ever, you know, has gone through this, especially with the Christian aspect. I was like, God hates me now. Like yeah. for some reason, he just isn't on my side with this. Like, I don't know. I just had some weird, like, which yeah. is bad, which is very bad theology, but that's just right. where my, my brain was going. And so the mental I just, battle of it all. Yeah. I was like, I am just the only, only one who's doing this. And so having people message me and tell me that I'm not alone is so helpful for me, but has also been so helpful for other people. Anytime I like share a story, you know, of like healing from somebody else, I always get messages from people being like, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing this. It's so helpful. So, because that's what, when I was in that one Facebook group and I still am in that Facebook group, but I don't Mm -hmm. like, but like when I just saw so many negative stories, it just really impacted my like hope for healing. I was like, I'm never going to be healed if this is all it is. And so my biggest thing is like wanting to encourage people that there is hope for healing. Like it does not have to be this way forever. And so like, I want to encourage people to get help and like take the steps that they can and recognize that they're worth it. Like they don't need to sit in this forever. And so, um, yeah, it's just been really cool to like hear other people go through that. Not cool. Like I don't want anyone to actually. I feel, take yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't want anyone to ever. I hope that one day I never have to have this because nobody experiences. Yeah. This. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until then, like it's it's cool to see that like sharing stories has helped other people. Um, I wish I didn't have to, but yeah, it's where we're at, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you definitely do a great job at it because, like I said, with endometriosis, I'm in some Facebook groups too, and I know exactly what you mean. Like you want to hear about the symptoms and so you can feel validated. But a lot of times, like I have to mute them because I'm just like, it, it becomes like a damper on you. You're like, Oh, it's so like, you hate to say it's negativity, but it is. Cause it's like, I I want to find answers. So I know what you mean. And it's not like a toxic positivity. Yes. Yeah. All the time. Like I'm not, I'm not promoting Mm -hmm. that either, but you talk about the real stuff and also talk about like, the healing parts of it to yes. really celebrate the little, you know, wins that I don't think are little, but you know, the little wins throughout your journey that give other people hope for healing, you yeah, know, definitely. there's gotta be a balance there. Definitely. Yeah. And I think like what you said, like wishing people knew they were worth it, like to get the healing. I think that in itself brings like healing from purity culture too, because a lot of times, especially from like, I can only speak on being a woman from purity culture. Um, a lot of times you just feel like, your pleasure doesn't matter or like 
purity culture is about the man or the husband. So to be like, okay, you know, I'm supposed to feel good too. So I can, mm-hmm. we can both enjoy it. I think that's yeah. really important too. Yeah, for absolutely. Sure. Um, in terms of like you starting your Instagram, like how did you feel at first, like starting this conversation? Because I know it can already be like kind of nerve wracking because it's like personal, but also just as a Christian, were you worried about backlash of having this conversation so openly? Oh, Absolutely. 100%. I, um, lived, I used to live in the South and I, oh gosh, yeah, same. <laughs> very, 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 very ready to leave. Yes. And, um, I, I'll say to this day, like if I still live there, I don't think I would have ever started this. Like yeah. I don't think I could have handled the judgment. I don't think I could have handled the critique, um, that I know would, would have been happening. Like, I don't think I could have handled the gossip that I knew would, would yeah. have been happening. Um, and, no, you know, moving to a different place and living like I live in Colorado and people like truly don't care what you do. They're like, oh, that's what you do. Cool. Yes, like, yeah, oh, definitely. That's great. Love that's Colorado. <laughs> yeah. They just are very chill about it. It really is. It's like, yeah, you do that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just more of an open-mindedness to like what people do and talk about. And so, and I do still have like relationships with people back home, mm-hmm. but not being in that environment where like, I know got cause gossip was just such a big, not that yeah. it isn't Colorado. It's just a different it's just a different culture. It's like a whole different world in the South versus where I'm at yeah. now. And so I, you know, not being there anymore and not being surrounded by some of that like toxic and gossip stuff, like kind of helped me feel a lot more free to be able to talk about it because I'm like, I'm not there. So I don't know what go- what's going on. Yeah. I'm sure people are talking about it, but it's not like in my face, you know, mm-hmm. like, and people are definitely not bold enough from back home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in a, in a DM. So sure. I was, it kind of got to a place where I was like, I know what I'm going to do is if it helps one person, then it's worth it. Like, uh-huh. so, so that's kind of the, the mindset I was in. I was like, really just tired of people not talking about things. And so I just kind of got to a point where I was like, you know what, this should be normalized. Like, I don't know why this is so like taboo, like yeah. every is having sex like why are we not talking about it I literally don't understand like sure. I don't know why, <laughs> yeah. why we're not talking about that and and also every woman has a body so like why are we yes. not talking about body parts I don't understand and so I kind of just started it and I was like I hope people are nice and if yeah. they're not, I'm just gonna have to push through yeah uh, but it was definitely terrifying like for sure um it just took some you know, the, the more stories I got from people of like, this helped me so much really boosted my confidence, honestly, of like, okay, this is helping people. So I'm going to keep doing this. And now I sometimes have to remember that talking about this stuff isn't normal. Right. It. And so sometimes I'm just like, cause people of course now are talking to me about, Oh, you're going to birth, you're going to give birth soon. And I'm yeah. always like, yeah, I feel pretty confident because I went through pelvic floor physical therapy because I have vaginismus and had a pelvic floor issue and right. went through a lot of that. So me and my pelvic floor were good. And then I'm like, oh wait, that's not normal conversation. Yeah, they're like, I just said hi, how are you? And you're just like, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. So I have to write it down uh, because it's just so second nature. I love that. Uh, but it it took a, it definitely took a while to get there. So yeah, yeah. very very. And I'm not hating on the south. If you have listeners in the south, I am not doing that. It just is a different. The culture is For just very sure. different. That Especially is small town. Like that's where I grew yeah. up. Like very Baptist. Like small town. Yep. And you're right. Like if mm-hmm. I didn't find like find out about my endometriosis before I moved out of there, it probably would have been a different healing story. Um, and right. even just like with my husband, like he grew up in a very sex positive house. And so he's been great with knowing to deal with like my pain. And like, that was something that was so new to me. Cause I still 
had that like voice in the back of my head that's like if you don't have sex with him like he thinks you're useless or you're upsetting him and he's he's just like is that what goes through your head? Like, he's like, why would I want to, why would I want to like cause you pain? Like it's a part of a marriage, but like, it's not the only part. And so that was really helpful. Um, so that's another question actually. Um, like when you're in the midst of that pain, what are some other ways that you can create intimacy without just having like penetrative sex? Cause I think that's another thing people don't realize is like, there's other ways you can connect. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's such a huge thing. And honestly, I really think it comes, it boils down to like your mindset. Mm-hmm. So we're often taught and, and it is because like the definition of sex is like, is right. You know, yeah. Intercourse. But I really think it takes like thinking about your mindset of what sex is and redefining sex because sex in my mind, and what I also think other people would agree with is it's an umbrella term. So mm-hmm. there's intercourse, which is like penis and vagina, you know, that's what's happening insertion. And then there's oral sex, there's yeah. hands, there's anal sex. Like there are other ways to mm-hmm. have sex and it all ends in like the word sex. And so sex is such an umbrella term. Um, and so I really think like redefining what your thoughts on that are is a big, is a big, like, you know, help to get over or like, cause it can be seen as a hurdle. If you're like, well, we can't have sex, then yeah. we're not that's like and that's like a big hurdle to get over it's like no that's not true it just is going to mm-hmm. look different in your relationship um and that's okay and so and understanding that like just because you're not having intercourse does not mean that you're not having sex you know right. like there are other ways like you can be just as intimate with you know oral sex with hands with anal sex whatever you are comfortable mm-hmm. with in your relationship like that does not take away like if you're not having intercourse it doesn't take away from like your connection with your yeah. partner partner, you know, like, so I really think a lot of it comes back to mindset because if we're thinking like, well, if you, if you like put together intimacy and sex as one, and then if, so if you're like, well, we're not having, we're not having sex and that means we're not intimate, but you're doing everything else. It's like, no, that's not true. Intimacy is there. Like it's there. You're just not having intercourse at the moment. Um, and, and so I think really like kind of wrapping your mind around that is, is helpful. Cause I mean, I'm even going through this right now, like pregnancy, I, my doctor has put me on yeah. pelvic because I have a low lying placenta. And so we can't have sex for like 10 weeks or yeah. I should, I, I really try and get better at this. We cannot have intercourse for the right. next 10 weeks. And so, and that hasn't happened for us for a long time. And so I've had to get back into that mindset of like, cause at first I was like, no, that's our time. And then I was like, yeah. man, this is what you talk about all the time. Like, this is not right. That does not mean that like, you're not going to be intimate with him. That doesn't mean that like anything is being taken away. It just looks different mm-hmm. and you can have lots of fun with everything else. Yeah. Really yeah. <laughs> creative with it. And I'll let people use their, you know, own minds at that, but you definitely, and I would even say this would be a cool time. I think to also introduce toys, like bring yeah. some new things into it. Um, if you're comfortable with that, like you know, learn new positions. There's, um, there's this website, which I think is a funny name and I'll explain the name, but there's this website called christianfriendlysexpositions.com. Mm-hmm. And I, there, there's nothing like, I don't think any sex position is not Christian. The only reason right. is, is because a Christian couple created it. So that right. has caused some confusion. Yeah. I want to make that clear, but like for people who are not, you know, comfortable with porn or seeing other things like they're, they will show you different positions of things you of like intercourse and other things like positions without showing real bodies. And so I think that's a great resource if you're like, 
well, I don't know what else to do. Like we have done all the things. Well, it's like, well, why don't you look at this website? And they'll, yeah. they, they literally will show you all these different positions that have nothing to do with intercourse. And so it's oh, like, wow. there's new ways to like spice it up too. Like you can get ideas from that. And, you know, that's um, awesome. There's definitely ways to still be intimate. And also there's so much power and emotional intimacy too. That's mm-hmm. not physical, like actually going on dates and actually talking to your partner and talking talking about your dreams, like getting vulnerable with your feelings. Like there's so much power in that kind of closeness that has nothing to do with the physical too. So I would, you're not, you're not like there, if you can't have intercourse, it doesn't mean that you can't be intimate with your person. It just takes some redefining in your mind. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's another thing for me that I struggled with from purity culture is thinking like if you're exploring other things or like wanting to learn new things, it's like a bad thing. Like you're doing something naughty or whatever. Um, I thought it was just like you just have penetrated sex and you're done. So you just lay one way and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has to be like if you're not feeling good, it's fine as long as your husband is feeling good, he's gonna stay, you know. So that definitely was one of the biggest mental things for me. So that's cool that there's that resource for people who are kind of just like dipping their toes in the water or um having something to stick with that they're comfortable. So that's really cool. I love that. Definitely. Um so as we're having this conversation, what are your thoughts on um, having like the sex conversation in churches, how do you think they can go about it better? Do you think they should have it at all? Like, how do you, how has your mind changed on all of that through this journey? So I will say, I don't think the church is responsible for sex education. Like I, if we are talking about actual sex education, like I really should be taught by like a professional, someone who you know, knows what they're talking about because I think the church trying to be super involved in this has taken yes. us a really dark path. For sure. Now, with that being said, I don't think we should avoid it at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that there's a balance and I think there's nuance here in this conversation because if the church just completely avoids talking about sex and they're completely, you know, then they're going to avoid talking about like a whole part of life, which I think right. is important. But um, as far as you know, how they talk about it clearly has not been positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so we, need to, we need to change the conversation. Um, but I don't think the church should be the sole place that we're getting our sex education from. Sure. And fortunately, that is a lot of a lot of places that like, you know, parents in general or older generations, they do think that they're like, well, abstinence only, because that's what the church is always is always promoting. And so it's like abstinence only is not a form of sex. Yeah, like I think people say abstinence only sex education. I'm like, nope. If you're yeah, if you're promoting abstinence only, like that is not actually educating anybody about sex. You're just telling them not to have it. You're not telling them the mechanics of it. You're not telling them about consent. You're not talking about anatomy. You're not talking about safety. Like you're just saying don't do it. Not a form of education. (laughs) And so, and I'm not saying that we need to talk about it. And everyone should just be having sex all the time either. I I don't think that. uh, especially if you're talking to teenagers, because that can get right. really fast if you're not talking about, you know, safety and consent and that. Yeah. Um, and so I think I honestly think there's a lot of nuance in this conversation. I often don't see things as black and white, which I feel like is kind of hard in our world now. Everything yeah, white. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I struggle with that so much. Yeah. I struggle with it so, so much. Yes. Nuance is not bad, people. We need to remember Mm -hmm. that. Okay. For there to be nuance and conversations. And I think this is the perfect example. I do think we should be talking about it, but talking about it from a more positive standpoint, like not saying that sex is bad, not saying that someone's going to go to hell. I do think from a you know a Christian standpoint, you can talk about 
sex in the way of like God created it for marriage, for a spouse. It's a gift. It is a good, positive thing that creates intimacy, that creates, you know, that closeness with your person that celebrates that time together. It sets mm-hmm. you apart from friendships. Like you don't just, you know, have sex with all your friends. You know, mm-hmm. this is something special that you do within a relationship. And the Lord created our bodies to do that. Like the Lord created parts of women's bodies that just have pleasure. Like he wanted sex to be a pleasurable thing for women. He mm-hmm. wanted it to be a pleasurable thing for men. Um, and, but it is like, if you are, you know, or talking about it too, from a sinful standpoint, cause they, they, you know, I, I do think that sex was meant for marriage. And so, but you can talk about it in a positive way out, you know, outside of like sex is bad. Sex is a sin. Don't do it. You can say, well, sex right. was not for marriage and there are levels of, you know, purity that we want in our relationships before we're married, but it, you know, sin doesn't have like layers or levels, you know, like is what it is. And, but the grace is there, forgiveness is there, um, and redemption is there. And it does not make you a dirty, bad person. Like, like they always about, you know? And so I think just talking about it from a more, a better perspective of like, it is a good thing. It is a beautiful thing. Like this is something that our bodies can do and, and why I think it's important that it was, or why, or sorry, let me back up. <laughs> why it was created for marriage too, because there's a, there are emotions that are involved with it. And so I think, you know, especially to teenagers talking about that, because it's like, it's not just a physical act in my opinion, it is an emotional act. And so like doing that with a lot of people can, you know, affect you, but it's not like the end of the world, like they yeah. say, and it's not like, I don't want to always say this, but, but I do think that there is but yeah mm-hmm. nuance in, in these conversations, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, I will say the church, this is a huge thing it needs to improve on. If they are going to talk about sex, they absolutely need to talk about um sexual abuse because there will be yes, yeah. sitting in that audience who are hearing you say that sex is bad and that you're going to be like a, mm-hmm. a delicate flower who can never be put back together and there is a woman or a man who is sitting there who did not have sex within their consent and they're going to think those things about them which mm-hmm. is not true for anyone but it especially is not true for somebody who did not consent yeah. to and so Definitely. they often will shame people. And I don't even think that they're like caught. Some people are, but I don't think they're cognitively realizing like I am shaming these. Right. The effect of, of their words. They don't, right. yeah. I don't, I don't know that they're like consciously recognizing that, but they are like, mm-hmm. that is, that is the, what yeah. happens. Don't take time to address people in the room who have been through that. And if you don't have resources available for them. So Definitely. they're going to talk about sex. You need to talk. You need to make sure that that's always always included because it's so important. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I love that you added that because I think that sometimes like when anything's talked about in church, like there is no nuance sometimes. So there are people who have been affected in different ways and they're like, oh, well, I had that happen to me. Am am I bad? You know, do I need to be forgiven and stuff? Um, And I've definitely been, you know, like the girl in, in the in like the youth group where they pass around like the peach and it gets to the last person and they're like, see how dirty it is. Like no one wants that. And it's just like, you're right. They don't, they're not like trying to demean us, but it's like little ways. Those things just kind of stick in your brain and they add up. And then when you do have sex, you're like, Oh, this, I feel dirty. And you don't even realize why at first. Um, and yeah, I definitely agree. Like, um, cause I definitely think like the church should stay out of like a lot of people's sex lives, you know? Um, but you're right. Like, if the church is just talking about abstinence only, like there's no education in that. And for me, like most of my friends with like the strictest parents saying don't have sex were the ones having sex because it was like, you know, so strict that you just do it anyway. And so, um, yeah, I definitely think there needs to be more education. And I mean, even outside of church, like 
I remember being in eighth grade having like sex ed class and even that wasn't great. Like you still don't learn much. So from all aspects, like sex education, like sucks right now. So I definitely think it's, it should be talked about. Um, Yeah. I never, I never had an an actual sex education. Like in school, I remember like, I think for me, it was like sixth grade and I was like, Ooh, that's weird. I don't want to talk about that. And so what, cause they always had to send the consent form home for the parents Mm -hmm. to sign. And I told my parents I didn't want to do it. And so they didn't make me go to that class. I did not go to that class. But then I love you, mom and dad. They did not talk to me about sex at all. And so the church church wasn't talking about it. So I literally did not have one ounce of any kind of sex education, or at least from a professional. So I really think our parents should hop on board with that a little bit, a lot more. (laughs) Be educated before they do that as well. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, even like, when you're not a Christian, there's people who like, you know, you say like vagina, or like the actual like anatomic word for something. And they're like, Oh, why'd you say that? Like everyone has like a nickname right. for something. And even me yeah. like talking about stuff like this on my podcast, I force myself to do it. Cause I'm like, this is normal, but there's yeah, still like normal. that, like little kid in me that's yeah. like, Oh, you can't talk about that. So yeah, it's um, like, that is not a bad word. Vulva is yeah. not a bad word. It's not bad. Yeah. Penis is not a bad word. Testicles are not bad. Like mm-hmm. talking, it's the same thing as talking about your arm. Yeah. Like it's just when you got to take it, remove emotion from it. Um, but yeah, I definitely have been that way before. Like it took a long yeah. time to get comfortable just being like, this is the, this is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, what would you say for like non-Christian and Christian? What are just some basic like sex education things that everyone should just know? Yeah. Um, there's so many things, but I think the two biggest things are consent and, um, correct anatomy, because when we don't talk about consent at all, then people will feel obviously pressured. They're not going to know that they can say no. Um, and it's just so important to like do what you can to protect yourself. Cause I mean, there's always going to be bad people who will take advantage of that, but as much as you can set yourself up for success is so important. And so talking about consent, talking about, you know, how to communicate that you either want to have sex or do not want to have sex. like be, you know, fi- teaching people that you, using your words is so powerful and there's no shame in that. Cause there's been so many times in my life where I've been like, I really don't want to do this with him, but like, I don't want to make him feel bad. And I feel embarrassed if I say no now. And so I would just do it and just be like, feel like crap later. Mm. And it's like, no, if I was taught like any kind of hesitation of not wanting to do something like lean into that, you know, and like, it's okay to say that you don't want to do something it does not make you bad. It does not make you like Lamo or whatever. Right, yeah. I don't know who's saying Lamo. I just yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think about back to my teenage years, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it doesn't whatever people label you as doesn't matter. Like what's most important is like you are doing what you want with your body right, and not anything yeah. else. And so consent, I think, should always, always, always be talked about. And correct anatomy, because correct anatomy is just so important, especially for kids, like to be able yeah. to communicate kind of abuse like if they're gonna if if you know little girls abuse and comes home and says like oh he stole my cookie or took my cookie like they're not they're putting moms yeah. in like oh I'm sorry that he took your cookie from you like that sucks and mm-hmm. you know not thinking a little bit deeper about what that can That's actually true. so it's so important especially for kids to know like your body parts and as, mm-hmm. as far as like with sex too like knowing your body parts knowing their anatomies like actually you know having that um, exposure to yourself is really helpful with sex too. Cause then you can know what feels good, but doesn't. So if you're just like, there's just this like 
all these body parts down there and I just like don't really know how they feel like I don't really know what they yeah. do and then you got to have sex like you're not going to know how communicate what feels good you're not going to know so I think it's really important to know your body know what your body parts are know what they're labeled as like what the correct name is and so just like having that proper like anatomy I think can just go so far yeah understanding your body and also you know understanding sex um and because I, I know so many so many people especially and I just, I grew up Christian. So that's just like my perspective and worldview. Mm-hmm. I'm sure this is also common and non-Christians as well. Um, but I know just so many Christians who like did not even, would even feel shame about like touching themselves to put a tampon in. And yes. it's like, yes, it's, I, there's nothing wrong with that. There's mm-hmm. nothing sexual about that. And even if it was sexual, whatever, you know, it's yeah. nothing but like, you know, you would feel that that first time being turned on and immediately be like, oh, I don't know, this is so bad. I don't know yeah. what to do about that. And, oh my God, mm-hmm. what does that mean? It's wrong. Like you, people may think something's wrong with them, you know, like yeah. an actual you And it's like, no, that's just what happens when you're, when you're attracted to something, you right. know? Yeah. Um, and so people not knowing can just lead to so much shame, so much confusion. Um, and I think if we just like know what our body parts are, know what they can do that can help set us up for, set us up for a lot of success. Yeah, definitely. And it's so true because when you understand your own body, it's even more empowering and you're able to feel better while having sex. And it takes away the fear because you know what to expect. Like there's so much vulnerability, everything in, in sex. And so that's definitely true. And like being able to make the distinction of Cause I remember like so many people being like, if I use a tampon, am I going to lose my virginity? And like, right. there needs to be a distinction of like, this is medical, like just with the dilators and then yeah. you know, the opposite. <laughs> and so that's so true. I, I definitely think consent. I'm glad you brought that up too. Um, Cause again, that empowers you more. You're doing things that you enjoy and you're feeling comfortable with. So I love that. Definitely love that. Great conversations. Um and last question, just to kind of wrap it up, um, super basic, but what would you say to someone who maybe this is the first time they're even allowing themselves to like dive into this realm as a Christian, they're starting their purity culture deconstruction. What would you say to them? What would you have said to yourself, you know, a few years ago? What, what would you yeah. say? I would just want to encourage you that it takes, or that it takes time. Like I remember like, once I kind of, cause I was going through therapy. Um, I was already in therapy when I like started going to the doctor and learning new things. And then my, when I mentioned it to my therapist, she was like, Oh, I had no idea you're going through this. Let's, let's, let's like figure out where some yeah. of this is coming from. <laughs> and so we started like deacon, cause I was kind of doing the deconstructing of pretty culture with her, like with my therapist, oh, and, nice. um, which was so helpful. I highly, I bet. highly, highly, highly recommend that. Um, you do have to be careful with finding the right therapist to do that with though. Mm-hmm. Like, say that because I got I think I got very lucky with mine um mine did not see deconstruction as a bad thing and she was a Christian did not see as a bad thing she was a positive thing yeah people may disagree with that so but um I remember like you know starting to work through this starting to think about my beliefs about things and I remember like I think it might have been one day Oh yeah. Cause I was already deconstructing before I got the dilators. And so then I remember like getting the dilators and starting to use them and then immediately starting to feel like shame and stuff. And I was like, I've been working on this like purity culture stuff for a couple yeah. months now. Like, why am I feeling shame? And so I remember like beating myself up a lot for not being like completely deconstructed in like two months. And so mm-hmm. I just want to encourage people that like, it is going to take some time. Like your body has to like retrain itself. Your mind is going to retrain its thoughts. Like, cause there's times where I like would have said, I like was talking to people or something and said something that was pretty toxic and mm-hmm. like going back into the purity culture. And I'm like, 
why in the world did I say that? Like, yeah. I don't actually believe that. And, and I just remember really beating myself up, but it really does take time to like retrain your brain, retrain your thoughts. Like it's not going to happen overnight. Um, cause I think so many of us want it to happen so fast. Cause yeah. once we do recognize like cognitively, like, Oh, this was toxic. I don't want to believe that way anymore. Then we're like, okay, I don't believe that way anymore. So let me just go on with my life. And it's like, no, it's going to take some time for your right. thoughts to like retrain themselves and, you know, figure out what you actually believe and know, like, this is what we talked about earlier, but I'm bringing it back. Like know that nuance is okay. Like black, there's it's hardly anything in life is black and white, even yeah. if people are these days and everything is black and white. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't think that I think there's so much nuance in so many things and that's okay. And so like, as you're, you know, discovering your thoughts about things, it's okay that they, that they're going to change. Like sometimes I think people see like growth and differing opinions is like a bad thing. And it's not yeah. like, it's a good thing that you are like figuring this out for yourself. So um, just like my, that's kind of my biggest thing is like the timing of it all. Like mm-hmm. I want to encourage you to like, you know, keep pushing yourself, keep learning, but also just recognize that this stuff does take time and it's not going to be like an overnight thing. Um, and like, don't beat yourself up if you're still like <laughs> figuring it out, you know, yeah. I just, I put so much shame on myself for not being completely like turned in a second. Like, yeah. you know, it's going to take a while for my brain to go from sex is bad to sex is okay. And sex mm-hmm. is good. Like that's going to take some, that's just going to take a minute, yeah. you know, take some time. So I definitely recommend that. And I also really do recommend therapy, like going to therapy to really work through like those thoughts. And also where I was holding on to that in my body was just such a big thing because your body really does hold on to so many things. And so I would catch myself like my mind would think something, but my body is still like anxious or tense or something. And so it's like, I needed them to get back on the same right. same wavelength, you know, but your body really does hold on to so much tension. And so I, with the kind of therapy that I went to, like we were able to do a lot of that kind of like work. And so awesome. I definitely recommend if you're able to, we did um, brain spotting which was a big thing that we did. Oh, that's that was really, really helpful for me. So if you're like, you know, interested in therapy, I do think therapy is a great place for you to like work on this journey. For like sure. it was so, so, so helpful for me. Yeah. So definitely does take a while. Like I'm 24 and haven't been to church in years. And I still like struggle with, especially like modesty stuff. Cause that's something I was like super into when I was a Christian and mm-hmm. you're sometimes it's not just time that will fix it all. Like you're right. You right. have to change your mind and it. And it's yeah. also hard like to change your mind on stuff because mm-hmm. there was so much fear around it too. So there's a lot you yeah. have to process. So, um, yeah. yeah, therapy is definitely a lifesaver with a lot of things. So sure. <laughs> definitely. Sure, for so, sure. Well, I'm so glad that you're doing the work you're doing and that it's been taken positively by so many people. Like it's yeah. awesome to see how many pe- people you've helped. So definitely keep going. Um, and I, I know there's gonna be so many listeners that will be very thankful for this, regardless mm-hmm. of what side of the coin they're listening on, like Christian or not, it's gonna be very healing. So I'm sure everyone's dealt with some form of, you know, weirdness around sex or purity culture whatever. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast today. And I just, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's been such an honor to be on and I am just so excited for you and your podcast and all that you're doing. I think it's super important work too. And it takes a, you know, very bold person to talk, to have a podcast in general. So (laughs) that's incredible. Keep it up. I love podcasting. I think it's the best. It's Um, so fun. It it is hard though, but just know you're doing a great job. Um, And I just really appreciate your time. Yes. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. Um, And I'll send you the link to the episode when it's up and everything and I'll keep you updated. So thank you so much.
Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye.